Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight, I bring to you somebody who is an author, a management consultant, and very importantly, he's an advisor to a number of corporate organizations. He is a specialist in the area of marketing and customer service, and he will bring very useful dimensions that will help you change your life, your business, and everything that you are doing in between. He's one of the most consistent resource persons on Springboard, your virtual university. Professor Hinson, Robert Ibo Hinson, good evening. Welcome to Springboard. Good evening, Reverend Oakland. It's good to be here again. It's- Happy May Day. It is always good to see you. It's a blessing. Yes, sir. It's a blessing to be here as well. Right. So let me start, before I even get into the subject for the day, let me just quickly run our listeners through our commitments for the year 2016. And, um, Prof, we have um, a list of corporate commitments. We found out on this show that people make New Year resolutions and forget them. So we made a list of corporate commitments last year that people kind of follow throughout the year. So this okay. year we've made another list that we keep reminding our listeners every year, every day, all year through, every week, all year through, just so that they can become the framework for improvement. And so this year, our commitments are continuous improvement in three areas. Yourself, your value, and your strategy. Self-improvement, improvement in your value or your, or your, your, your brand, and then improvement in your strategy. And so on self, we chose three areas in the triangle, your faith, your character, and your relationships. Very critical. So we chose your faith, your character, and your relationships. And then improving your value, we looked at brand positioning. We chose an acronym BLINK. So your brand positioning, leveraging, income streams, your network of relationships and then your knowledge, your knowledge base. Those are the things we look at in improving your value. And then the third one was improve your strategy, something I know you are very passionate about. And so our key focus was get it right the first time. When you get an opportunity, get it right the first time and then execute faster, cheaper, hassle-free and more efficiently. And so that, those are the commitments we're running through the year with. Let me get, let me get your preliminary thoughts about their relevance from your area of work? Oh, I think um, you find out a little later in this conversation that um, some of the 10 top things that have helped me along in my career sort of hinge on some of these commitments. Having right. a strong knowledge base, for instance, is indispensable to fostering both personal and career growth. So I think that's totally on point. And then the whole issue of execution, execute right. fast, execute seamlessly, execute at uh, a high value premium so that those who are executing forget the value that exceeds the price they're paying for and so on and so forth. So I think those foundations are totally on point. One thing that excites me also is the issue of self and the whole connotation of having maybe what you would call a personal brand and building it along your faith, having a certain uh, character, texture, and then building the kind of relationships and networks that make you grow in a certain organic manner. So I think you're totally on point. Absolutely. We'll be picking them up as we get to your own 10 critical success factors. But if you just joined us, this is Springboard, your virtual university. You're running a series called Critical Success Factors. What is our purpose? To get different achievers in different fields of endeavor to bring to you what they have learned by both observation and experience as the 10 most 
critical influences, enablers, springboards to your own personal success. And we are distilling these secrets and then collating them. Hopefully, the collation center will tell us at the end of the series whether there are commonalities that we can all glean and say that, listen, 70% of the people highlighted this one and uh, you can't ignore it. And that's why we are taking this series very, very seriously. My guest for tonight writes, he teaches, he directs, and his focus area is largely customer service, marketing, branding, and related subjects. He's Professor Robert Hinson, a very... Um, strategic partner of the virtual university. So, Robert, let's start with your writings and and and, and customer service as a subject. Your latest book, um, Customer Service Essentials, was launched just this the past couple of days ago. Yes. Uh, tell me, what has been the impact of your writing? And do do you find? Let's talk about the context and the subject of customer service. Yes. How critical is it at a time like this? Okay, so um, I noticed over the last five to six years that increasingly across a multiplicity of industries and sectors, public sector, private sector, not-for-profit, a lot of people don't quite understand what it means to create what we call customer love marks, create experiences that are so memorable that customers who are external to the organization want to come back over and over and over again. Then traveling across the continent, I realized that the problem was not Ghanaian alone. Because I do some work in Nigeria, I've done some work in Namibia, I've done some work in South Africa, I've traveled around quite a bit. And I found out that the major problem seemed to be the fact that those who do the gatekeeping, the boundary spanning, those who actually interface the customer, don't quite have a holistic sense of how customer service can be used as a strategic differentiator. So what it is is that they come to the game or come to work and depending on how they are feeling, deliver good or bad service. Four months ago, I traveled through probably the best airport in Africa and South Africa. And one guy who wrapped suitcases was excessively rude to me. I was so shocked. I was thinking this is a very famous country with large national branding programs advertised on BBC and CNN. And the guy, by a singular action, was compromising the millions of dollars the country invests in national branding programs. I realize the problem is very, very deep. So I had to come back and quickly start putting my thoughts together to sort of give African prescriptions to deal with this lack of understanding of customer service and how it can be used to create a difference. All said, companies who use customer service well create memorable customer experiences, have healthier bottom lines. I mean, there's 20 to 30 years of empirical research supporters from all over the world. So I struggle to see how something that could be so simple still remains a very serious conundrum for several institutions. And I, I, I was I was l- last week on on a morning show, uh, one of a former minister of state was saying, for private sector, he doesn't really care too much about customer service because customers vote with their feet. But in public sector, if you are struggling to get a passport and it takes you two months, he has a problem there because there you have no uh, prayer, if you like. And whatever it is, you must go to that institution to get a service. I agree with him partly because, you see, even for private sector, people can still vote with their feet after they've received the poor service. The issue is to be proactive enough to have the kind of systems, structures, context, environments, benchmarks, monitoring and evaluation systems to ensure that bad service is not giving. 
The issue is not to give bad service for customers to leave your organization. It's to give memorable experiences so they stay and make you profitable. So That's why I wrote this book. You're alluding to the fact that sometimes at the, at the top end, great programs are put in place. Yes. Big money is spent, but yes. we don't follow all the way through to the last person to, no, we don't. to, to see whether... People are really embracing where the rubber running. meets the road. Where right. the rubber meets the road, there's no action there. Right. So people meet in some room or somewhere. Big people, well paid. They come up with all these elaborate programs, but somehow they 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 don't cascade it in a manner that makes it, if you like, actionable and measurable. And I guess that's the problem for me. I mean, big talk, little action. I had a very interesting <laughs> discussion with with a retired American. Um, Serviceman, yes, we're studying a particular country's ability to drill through and get the whole country to think in a particular way, yes. And we're just we're just having a fascinating discussion about why do people in this particular country consistently get it right? What Correct. is it that they are doing differently? Correct. And he had a very interesting. It, it seemed to be a national program that even the head of state yes. was writing about the kind of vision that they had Absolutely. and why everyone must line up Absolutely. and it was backed by not just philosophy but you. enforcement you know what in this same joy fm um 12 years ago i had chairman yamson at the time talk about a famous country called singapore and how service was good over there well i heard him i didn't know that was true but i traveled to singapore for some Commonwealth secretariat program my goodness from the guy who picked you up from the airport, took you to the hotel, they, you, you got the sense everybody was clued in and everybody understood that given the, how small the country was, service was going to be, a, even the way they walked, gave the sense that these people, they are serious about delivering superlative service. I just came from my barber and then they were teasing me in the shop, that, hey, prof, you get time, hey, you get time, hey. And I was fascinated because it's like the guy says six for six, ten for ten, seven for seven. And I found it a total embarrassment that I was the aberration, not the norm. I'm like, what kind of country cries this? Where we are so poor with keeping time that when you keep time, you are seen as an exception. It's amazing. I think something fundamental needs to be done. I think our leaders need to carry this customer service agenda as a personal thing, put together the system, put together the structures, measure this thing, and make sure the change comes. I'll talk about the cost to the... To the the nation and institutions Indeed. as a result of our failure to yeah. get it right. But let me just okay. let me just tap tap along on one word or one expression that you used: African prescriptions. What, what do you mean by that? So I need to be honest to say that I've received poor service in North America as well, sometimes in Europe as well. But I feel as if because of our cultural nuances and sometimes the sense of if we frustrate a guy, maybe he might pay something or he might... I, I think we have a few issues that, that, that are African. And therefore, if you look at the structure of the book and the kind of topics I cover, I think they speak more expressly to customer service challenges that are prevalent on the continent of Africa and therefore that I try to address in the book. Right. The book also has like eight or nine different case studies and has activity questions after every chapter. This is the first book I've written that I use that approach because I feel... Readers should engage very actively with the material and find real nuggets they can use immediately to transform the, the customer service experience. Well, talking about reader engagement, I am made to understand that you want to give us some books tonight. Yes. Right. So how, how do you hope to do that later in the show? The five books? Yes. We'll give it to the first five callers. First five callers? Yes. 
Okay. They have to do something to get it. So ask them to, to highlight out of the critical success factors that you have. Precisely. The one that speaks expressly to them and why. We've That's done that right. in the series so far. So we'll do that and then they get to win as a bonus copies of your book, Customer yeah. Service Essentials. But yes, let's sir. go down to our main discussion for today. So yes, we've, we've been trying to distill critical success factors. Our, our, express, our, our intent is very simple. Yes. That it is possible by observation and by experience to yes. drill down what works and what doesn't work. Yes, sir. And if you can find out, why struggle? No, you don't have to. And so we are bringing through different resource persons with experiences from different fields of endeavor to expressly indicate from what they have experienced and, and observed what the 10 key factors for success are. Yes. And asking our listeners to... to walk along these paths and, and observe these lessons. So yes. let me just ask you the, 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 the usual starting question. So for you, observation versus experience, which one is critical? I think they are both very, very important. But observation sometimes can be a bigger blessing because, you see, what I took 17 years to achieve, just by telling you what not to do, you can make better decisions in the next five minutes of your life. So I think observation is a blessing. However, experience is also a very profound teacher because when I tell you what not to do based on what I've experienced, again, you have something the better credibility to factor. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and one of the biggest things that we'll come to that a little later is that I'm very big on second chances. A lot of things I've done, I've done it twice. I only pray that I don't marry twice. But everything else I've done it twice. <laughs> it's amazing. Everything else I've done it twice. You know what? But if I don't tell you, you never know. You just see me as he has two PhDs. He's a full professor. He said every even Oliver I did it twice. It's amazing. You will come to that little later. Right. So I believe in the God of the second chance. Right. We'll, we'll talk about the God factor to us in God. Like, well, let's, so which let's take it let's take them one after the other instead of yes. giving the whole list. Yes. So let, let's let's work them from the beginning. Okay. So if somebody's let's assume that we have 10,000 emerging leaders yes. gathered at a, a huge conference center and you are the main man. Yes, all sir. the screens, all the cameras are on you and they're yes, asking sir. you, Professor, tell us what works and what doesn't work. And your 10 prescriptions will form the basis of the decisions that we'll make in the next 20 years of our lives. What will be number one? Number one is be connected to God or have a strong spiritual center. And that, 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 that sort of uh, derives from the fact that I'm a Christian. Be connected to God or have a strong spiritual center. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Daniel 11.32b says, they who know they are God, they shall be strong and they will do exploits. So for me, all exploit making is contingent upon knowing God and acknowledging him. I think that when you start from there, it's very easy to proceed. All exploit making is God-centered. That's my personal philosophy. Right. Let me explore that philosophy for a minute. Yes. I want to make a difference between people who privately express their faith and people who publicly express it. Yes. Comment on that. I Amen. talk to people who who will tell you in private what they believe, what their convictions, or what their supposed convictions are. Absolutely. But they hesitate to mention it in public. Why do you think it's such a great thing to be able to say publicly what you believe and what drives your life? You see, there's this guy who went to your infant film school called Reverend Obama Teta. I remember when I was in final year he, he taught us international marketing on the last day of the class he said he knows a man called Jesus Christ and that 
irrespective of whether his daughters, if you really want to succeed, he would like to introduce you to the man. I think when you make public declarations of your faith, it's very clever to place you in the left zone or the right zone. I think being gray is a problem. Being black or white brings more blessings. That, that's what I believe in. So I think public confession of what you believe in immediately helps you to take a certain position on, on a multiplicity of issues. You don't know how to give kickback, sidekick, quarter kick. You, you don't know how to be late. You don't, I mean, everything you do is... is is the preponderance is on what the Bible teaches you to do. So and you're saying that your your faith drives your ethics, everything, your values, everything, and how you you will do or not do business. One now time. that's a very important pull out oh, yes. of the, the the issue of publicly declaring your faith. I'm not ashamed, Christ. So, so it drives your values and totally. drives your choices. Totally. Right. Right. Let's go to your second point, sir. The second point is a very cool one. You have to develop beautiful feet. And that one is, comes from something I learned a couple of years ago from a lesson bishop that he or no preach. He said, look, for a Christian, you do two things. You either go and preach or you send people to go and preach. That's what it means to have beautiful feet. So you're either going or you're assisting people to go or you do both. And I think part of succeeding in my personal life has been the fact that I've gone sometimes and I've assisted others to also go. Explain, years, when, you say, when you say I've gone, explain what you mean. Like uh, several years ago, we at Kolegono. We used to go and preach on Sunday afternoons in Manpro. So you're talking about missions. Missions, yes. Right. Ministering to those at Canterbury, getting 17 to give their life to Christ, 12 to give their life to Christ. And I think being open about soul winning is also very important to me. I'm sorry, these first two are Christian, but that's what I believe. There's nothing to apologize for. Okay, the reason right. why we <laughs> called you is so that you will tell us your 10. The, and your 10, you are allowed to let your 10 be different from somebody else's fully 10. Crap, fully, let, fully, let, me, fully, let, me, fully. let me on the issue of missions with your permission, boy, yes, sir. just tell you an amazing experience I had in Ho this week. Yes, sir. Absolutely phenomenal experience in missions, yes, sir, with Christ to the real world, that led it. by Reverend Steve Mesa. It's too powerful, unbelievable. That's I it. saw it with my naked eye. It, it was not go come, go come. It is very important, <laughs> a very phenomenal experience. By all means, and it was so. not just the preaching of the gospel, which yeah. was very evident, the yeah. miracles and everything, but yeah. the practical expression feeding tens of thousands. I mean, medical case, That's surgery. It. it was just unbelievable. That's the it. whole water region came to a standstill. And it. it was just, for me, one of the, the experiences of a, of a lifetime. <laughs> very, very significant. Let me, greet, let me greet Reverend Steve Mensa this evening, Reverend Stanley Mensa, and all the leaders who traveled from all across the world That's to it. just be there for that experience. It's a blessing. The people's lives were changed significantly. It's a blessing. Right. So missions, developing beautiful feet is your number two. Yes. Right. Seeking first the kingdom of God and all things be added unto you. Develop right. beautiful feet. Right. Number three is never abhor or detest small beginnings. Or learn to gather crumbs so you can have a plentiful harvest. Never abhor or detest small beginnings or learn to gather crumbs so that you can have a plentiful harvest. Job 8 7 says, Even though you started with little, you will end with much. Okay. Now, this is so crucial that, that, for me. That was the verse at my wedding. No, oh, really? Oh, though, then God though, has spoken. <laughs> though your beginning be small, you your latter end will greatly increase. You are blessed. It has worked. It has worked for me for 23 years. It has worked, you know. And I'll tell you this. On, 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 on Friday evening, when we did the launch of the book, there were 10 ushers who come from the Department of Marketing at the University of Ghana Business School, all studying BSc Marketing Level 300. I promise you, if I don't tell them, 
they will not record this event as one small achievement in the development of their professional career. So, for instance, they'll go finish the degree and present a CV with no work experience. Meanwhile, you were at an event for one and a half hours, ushering and helping and assisting and making sure that the book launch was a phenomenal success. So sometimes we don't consciously gather little things in preparation for the big things that are coming. Right. There was a time I used to write everything I do in this life. I've done easily 150 or 200 different types of training interventions. Some have been paid for, some I did for free. A week ago, I was speaking to some big international financial auditing firm, and I spoke for free. It's because if that firm appears on my CV as a brand I've spoken to, it speaks volumes of the quality of my work. So right. learn to gather crumbs so that the harvest, when it arrives, it becomes an accumulation of all that you've done over a long period. What is the antithesis? What, why, uh, why is this particular lesson, this, the, the, the B of this one, yes. not just... Ab- not abhorring small beginnings, Correct. the gathering of crumbs, yes. that ability to position yourself to yes. do su- volunteer, to, yes. to do something yes. just to improve your person and your opportunities. Why is it not a common, a common thing among emerging leaders? Because I think, unfortunately, we tend not to be meticulous about measurement. We live our lives in a free-flowing manner without a sense of always calibrating, always measuring, always recording, so that we can take stock properly of all that we've done. We, we don't calibrate, we don't measure. So we just do stuff, and that's a big problem. If you want to be a successful person, you need to measure everything you do. Gather the crumbs. Measure everything you do. Absolutely. If you want to be a successful person. Absolutely. Just to add that in the message on where are you going. Yes. Very powerful landmark message um, Dr. Tagwell mentioned the fact that you in the feeding of the 5,000 yes. Jesus meticulously ensured that everything that was left over was gathered Absolutely. and he used that to allude to the fact that you cannot be frivolous and you cannot let things go waste. Never. Even if you are in a time of abundance. Never. Because it's preparation for the next season of your life. I totally believe it, sir. Right. You know, um, I was chatting recently with my wife and I was speaking about clothes. And I was saying that, look, you can't have too many clothes in the house. So if we have too many, let's gather what's not working and go and use it to bless Roma the poor minister so that the work of God will go on. So everything must be measured. You can't do things and just leave them hanging and then hope that because you have abundance, you have abundance forever. You need to learn to gather crumbs. Very, very important. We are at the halfway mark and that is 7.30. If you just joined us, my guest is Professor Robert Hinson and we're talking about his 10 critical success factors. The first one he talked about, have a spiritual center, be connected to God. The second one, develop beautiful feet. That means that have an interest in missions. The third one, never abhor or detest small beginnings. And so you gather your crumbs to ensure that at the harvest time you will have abundance. What will be your number four? Number four is allow mistakes to become stepping stones to greatness or relish second opportunities to achieve greatness. Allow mistakes to become your stepping stones to greatness or relish second opportunities to achieve greatness. God is a God of the second chance. It's not because in the Bible alone, there are several songs that attest to it. In Job 3, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. If I tell you how many second times I've had in my life, look, who level? I misbehaved, I ended up with 25. Oh, so I got grade 2. 
for my father sat in the Gambia to do remedials. And I did very well and I came to six form in Achimoto School. When I arrived, I became SRC president, even though my mates were in upper and I was in lower. Then my father died when I was in upper six in Achimoto School. Very tragic. That day before I took the exams. And I remember I went to Lagos and the first two years were very turbulent for me because I was not doing too well. By the time I was finishing the first degree, I got 3.23. I needed 3.25 to get an upper. I ended up with lower again. Oh, I bet that it was easy for me. Then they took me on to do MPhil. When I got into MPhil, we do 10 subjects and a thesis. I got nine A's and a B plus. So for me, any time I have adversity, I sort of turn it round, and then I do maybe 10 times better than I would have done if I'd sailed through properly the first time. Today, I have two doctorate degrees. I'm a full professor. I have an MBA in marketing. I have a chartered marketing qualification. I have a BSc in marketing as well. So I understand the subject quite well. But if you trace back to where I started from, maybe you wouldn't have fathomed that I could have come this far. A lot of things I've done, I've done twice. And so I'm not moved at all by adversity because I've learned by experience that even if it didn't work properly the first time, God can give you... Look, recently I did some work for a financial services firm just two, three weeks ago. Major intervention. Trained about 400 staff on customer service issues. I had a problem with this company four or five years ago because they needed me to do something. And I was traveling all over the world and couldn't make it. So it was a big problem at the time. I came back. I said sorry. I paid for the job. I got the job. That was another second opportunity for me. So when I try things that don't work... Once I have a sense that my brand vision is still on point, there are opportunities for, to make amends. I ensure that I give a more stupendous showing of myself in round two than I probably would have done if I had gotten, first, uh, gotten right the first time. Right. So I really believe in the God of the second chance. Second chance are important for personal and career success. It is evident in the fact that for every point you've given so far, you've given it in two different ways. Maybe that's <laughs> another expression. <laughs> I like it in two. <laughs> I, like it. I like that one. You, you say it twice, just in case the first one didn't land. Correct. All right. So allow mistakes to become stepping stones to success. And, and, and you talk about the God of a second chance. That's and maybe right. for somebody listening out there who is, is doing something and it's just not working, um, that, that could be a point of encouragement for you. That's absolutely the fact that you feel the first time doesn't mean that you you, you cannot rise up and, and achieve at all. that which God has set out for you. Let's go to your fifth point. The fifth one is, do not live for yourself. Mentor people who should become more successful than you in the future. Do not live for yourself. Mentor people who would eventually become more successful than you in the future. Or be excessively generous. You know, I like it in twos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, you invest in people who become bigger than you, or you should be an excessively generous person right. with your time, with your resources. I mean, I have a student who I, I, I taught on the MPhil, whose thesis I supervised, and today is a pro vice chancellor. I have only been department chair and only been um, uh, head of a, a hall. But the guy is a pro vice chancellor today, and I have some people who have impacted who are doing much better than I am today. I think it, it, it's a mark of somebody who's going somewhere himself. My bishop's wife says that if your prayer is always about me, about me, I mean, you have a problem. You can always pray about you and your issues. There's a sense in which you must learn to minister to others, and I right. think it's important right. for career success. So, mentoring and not living just for yourself. Number Absolutely. six. Yes. Number six is develop a strong personal brand and stick to it in a dogged manner. Dogged. I mean, do, 
don't waver. <laughs> Develop a strong personal brand. What, what is your opinion? I mean, I find that increasingly there's a lot of awareness about personal branding. Yes, increasingly, please. people are talking a bit more about personal branding yes, now please. than they used to. When yes, please. The subject came up and we began exploring it a few yes, a few years ago. Yes, please. That is good. Because it, it, the more light is thrown on something, the more awareness is created. Absolutely. But let's take advantage of the opportunity here to, to say, in your opinion, what are some of the, the, the key non-negotiables for building a strong personal brand, in your opinion? First of all, be authentic. It's, it's very, very important. First of all, be, be authentic. And the second of all, find a niche that makes you special and needs that you can satisfy better than most. So find a niche and the needs that you can satisfy better than most. Then develop a strong social network and community that you are beneficial to. Personal branding is about giving. So if the network doesn't perceive you as a giver, your brand will not thrive. And then when the brand is fully developed, Albert, you get to the point where you learn to only focus on what's on brand and you run away from what is off brand. Then your your, your brand is clearly defined. I think on that, brand, that, off that, brand. That last point is That's it. It's a centerpiece point. That's it. Because it means you would have to say no sometimes. Several times. Right. Oh, I say no very easily. More <laughs> no's than yeses. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because it's off brand. I I'll tell you this story. This is this is this is a story I really wanted to tell, so I'll tell it now. I applied for a job recently and I didn't get the job. And a close friend of mine was angry with me because he insisted that I should be disappointed I didn't get the job. And I said, oh, this job cry, you are one of those who was forcing me to go and apply. Truly speaking, it's off-brand. So please allow me. So no, 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 I'm lying. So I'm not lying. That he wasn't on-brand. It was some job that would take away from my brand vision of being one of the leading voices in marketing on the continent of Africa. That's my brand vision. And so I have certain things I've lined up in the achievement of that vision. So things that are off-brand, they take my energies away and they, they, they make it, they make me take longer to reach that ultimate goal. So once you get the Albert, oh, saying no is very easy. Right, so, so, so it means that inherent in that is also a certain long-term perspective. Without a shadow of a doubt. Right, so, so it's just small, for small anyone steps. who just tuned in, if you're developing a strong personal brand, just as an aside, you must have a long-term perspective of where you are going. The opposite is short-term. Correct. Authenticity, Correct. the opposite is fake. <laughs> yeah, fakery, you wouldn't do very well. Yeah, right, right. And, oh, and, and then you should have a certain quantifiable mindset. Right. Measure, 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 right. measure, measure. Right. Quantifiable mindset. Right. Measure, 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 right. measure, measure, measure. Right. And then you talk about a niche, something that you do better than others. And yes. again, if you tend to be um, trying to do everything, that could be a problematic disastrous. Niche, you can satisfy better. Yes. And again, if you haven't done a measured assessment of your output, you wouldn't even know where your advantage is. Absolutely. Strong social network. So can I see, I mean, I'm trying to draw the opposite of what you, you've given Go in ahead. building your personal brand. Yes, you see that it means if you're anti so You don't do very well. No, you don't do very well. I always see your bedroom. It won't work for you. <laughs> All right. It's 22 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. I'm just trying to show you the opposite of what the prescription is for building a strong personal brand. Please don't be anti so All right. Number seven, sir. Number seven, and just to allow you to catch your breath. Okay. Number one has been spiritual centers, being connected to God. Number two, develop beautiful feet. Number three, never detest small beginnings and gather the crumbs so that you can build a great harvest. Number four, allow mistakes to become a stepping stone for success because God is a God of a second chance. Number five, don't live for yourself. Mentor others to become even more successful. Number six, develop 
a strong personal brand and stick doggedly with it. Let's go to number seven. Number seven is have mentors and honor your physical, professional, and spiritual fathers and mothers. Have mentors and honor your physical, professional, and spiritual fathers and mothers. And be always fully open to their correction and rebuke. So have mentors, have fathers, have mothers, and always be fully open to their correction and rebuke. You can only grow if you are pruned. If you are not pruned, you become wild, uncontrollable, and you will not succeed very, very well. Proverbs 12 verse 1 said, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 12 verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Very strong words. <laughs> very much. Very much, yes, yes. So I think it's also very important because the I, people... I was talking to a very accomplished person who's a mentor, and in the course of the discussion, a couple of people came up and he said oh these people came under mentorship and leadership or, or and coaching some years ago but found the process too exacting mm. and so walked away and I was looking at the couple of people that were ref- referenced and I realized that they were not people who were achieving their full potential. potential. There you go. Glimpses of greatness. I mean, you, you can go. see some people that you can see that they are doing well, but they could have done far better there you go. with some guidance. There you go. But what I found profound about what he said is that they did come all right, but they found it too exacting and therefore chose the easier path. Okay. Your comment on that. So the easier path is very, very dangerous because, again, drawing from the personal brand, which was the point just before, if you really want to develop fully, you need to have people who constitute your personal board of directors. These are guys who have a spiritual take on your life. They have a professional take on your life. And if your mother and father are still living, they must also have a certain maternal and paternal take on your life. I think that anybody who, who grows beyond rebuke cannot do very, very well. Exacting as the process may seem, we must all subject ourselves to that process in order to realize our full potential. Do you find that sometimes the mentee wants to define how you coach them? Without a shadow of a doubt. I have some people I've mentored recently. I mean, they become very big. Now, I don't see them. And it's like, I find it difficult to even approach them because their attitude has changed after they arrived. And so I've withdrawn quietly and I'm focusing on those who will still want me to speak into their lives? <laughs> I, I read something from Professor Linda Hill of Harvard Business School who said mm. the day the mentee tries to determine how to be mentored, the relationship is dead. It's finished. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to discuss again. Dead. You, you just go with yeah, your life. Okay. Just accept that it's dead. <laughs> 18 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you just joined us, very hilarious conversation, but very, very thought-provoking with Professor Robert Hinson of the University of Ghana Business School and author of a brand new book, Customer Service Essentials. And later in the show, we'll be giving out um, some copies to people who are will be able to reference these very critical success factors and then speak to how these factors relate to your own life. Let's go to number eight. Sir. Number eight is always remain humble before God and men in the midst of slow or rapid success. Always remain humble before God and men in the midst of slow or rapid success. First Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, I'll repeat, 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you. First Peter. 5 verse 6. First Peter 5 verse 6. Can I give you a cross-reference? Of course. Luke 2, 51, just yes. after Jesus had spoken to the religious leaders at age 12. Yes, please. The Bible says he went back home and submitted himself to his parents. There it must go. have been a big temptation. They were at 12, they meant to talk to the gurus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure because somebody was from then onwards, the, the parents must address him differently Absolutely. because now he has arrived. You rearrange the relationship immediately. So, <laughs> so but it's very important. Right. You know, humility is, is, is a really important thing. Humility should not be mistaken or substituted with docility. Being docile is not being humble. Right. Being humble is submitting yourself to God's way, submitting to authority and listening to rebuke and instruction. That's right. it. But being docile is not being humble. Not so, necessarily. So, so it's kind of like knowing where God brought you from. And no matter how high you rise, keep your feet on the ground. Absolutely. Let's go to number nine. Say. Number nine is uh, learn to spend time with your family in order to maintain family cohesion and preserve your physical body by maintaining regular exercise and rest regimes and going on holiday anytime you can. So hmm. learn to spend time with your family in order to maintain family cohesion and preserve your physical body by maintaining regular exercise and rest regimes and going on holiday anytime you can. I would have given these points, these two different points. You bring okay. them together because I, I, I presume that you look at that as connected. Yes, and the family and rest and cohesion and bonding and sort of having having a strong life at home. That is mirrored by a strong life at work. I was talking to a doctor today, a very, very senior lecturer. Okay. And he was talking about accomplished professionals and the recklessness of their lifestyle yeah and sometimes the the bps that they walk around with he yeah. said it, it is shocking yeah. he gave some figures and numbers i won't repeat on air. he Absolutely. said people are walking around and they literally should be caught caught and hospitalized immediately yeah. And, yeah. but people go around with very serious health challenges yes, yes. and lifestyle related absolutely so right. so that's why you need to watch that because what's the point and you see, if you are struck down, it affects the family as well. That's why I linked it to. Right. You see, so it's, you know, so cohesiveness is about being around to enjoy the family. So if you are not around them, the cohesiveness is, is broken. That's why I linked it to. Take us home on number 10. Invest in secular and spiritual books and a solid financial future. Invest in secular, spiritual books and a solid financial future. Job 23, 11 verse, the, the, the B part says... I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. You have to keep eating the right thing. Invest in secular and spiritual books and a solid financial future. Very, very important. You have to keep eating the right thing in order to stay strong. Budgets don't lie. Schedules don't lie. What you put your money and your time in is a reflection of what is important to you. So these are the 10 points of... Professor Bob Hinson walking us through what you need to know. And I, I gave a picture of a gathering of 10,000 emerging leaders listening to him in a convention center and he giving them the keys to achieving great things in life. And I'm sure you have your own take. When I come back from this musical break, I'm going to open the phone lines. And when you call, please tell me which of them speaks expressly to your situation and and how you intend to apply it. And you stand the chance, the first five, of winning the book Customer Service Essentials is a very solid book, well put together, that you will find very relevant in your quest to achieve professional success. 
All right, so let's go to the, the phone lines now, 030-221-6541. If you are listening tonight and the 10 critical success factors have sent something driving all the way through you, call us and tell us which one is it that really, really sparked you. And, and, and while they're telling us that, tell us what change you will make as a result of what you've learned. And you stand a chance of winning the first five of you, the copy of the book, Customer Service Essentials by... Hey, I almost said Reverend Professor Hinson. Maybe okay. that is something that is also coming up. All right. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Oh, good evening. My name is Echo. Thanks for taking my call. Echo, Echo. Give me your full name, Echo. What? Echo. Echo, please add your surname, man. Hello, Echo. Echo, can you hear me? All right, so the number to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. When you call, give us your full name just so we can reference it when you come to pick up the book. Hello, good evening. Yeah, good evening, Abed. Your name, where you calling from, please? My name is Justice Justice Newton Mensa. Justice Newton Mensa. Justice, tell me which of the ten critical success factors is really, really speaking to you this evening. Well, I will pick number three. Number three. Yeah, which is um, never abhor or detest small beginnings. Small beginnings. All right. Justice, why is that so big for you? Well, um, looking at where I am also coming from, I think <laughs> that is a very great thing to go about it because most of the things that surround you are always small. And if you don't take care, you think that oh, people have already achieved. So why don't you also try to get to the big side? But most of the time, I think you begin small before you can end big. Begin small and end big. Prof, has he spoken right. to the issue? Totally. Right. Totally, so Justice totally. News Mensa, you, you, have, you are beginning small and you will definitely grow big. And so you want yourself a copy of the book, right. Customer Service yeah. Essentials. And Matthew, how did you pick it up? From um, the front desk of JFM. Pick it up yeah, from the front know. desk with okay. a, with an ID and you will be fine. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Justice Newton Mensah. Let me say that the first book was worn online by Emmanuel Okran, who was the first to ask a question when we put the the posting of this this evening show on Facebook. So we have three more to go. Emmanuel Okran was the first one. He has a question about branding the nation. Justice Newton Mensah has just spoken to number three. So number three is gone. If you call and you say number three again, I'll say I didn't hear that one. Which is the next one? Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Your name, where are you calling from, please? Hello. Your name, please. Good evening. This is Steven. Ah, Steven. Yes. Steven, how are you? Hello. Yes, I'm fine. And you? For the purposes of, for administrative purposes, give us a full name, eh? My full name is Steven. This is D-E-S-U. All right, Steven. From Mankesim. Yes. All right, Steven, tell me, which is your, your favorite of the ten? Never abort small beginnings. Right. So I have given that one out to justice already. So let me deliberately push you to choose another one. Just so everyone doesn't call me about small beginnings. <laughs> well, I think by, by reading, reading books to adapt to the things you have. Right. Um, at Alisa Hotel, um, the thing for Magnum and CTFM, um, Professor made it clear that you have to consume the right thing, just like food. If you don't eat the right food, you get sick. Right. And so progress is not by magic. You have to make sure that you consume the right stuff. Charlie, just on the wings of that statement, progress is not magic. You win yourself a copy of the book. So, Stephen Desu, you've won yourself the third copy of the book, Customer Service Essentials. Progress is not magic. Read the right book. Thank books. you very much. Thank you, Stephen, and enjoy yourself this evening. 
All right. So the number to call zero three zero two two one six five four one. I have two more books to give away. Hello, good evening. Good evening, sir. Your name, where are you calling from, please? I am Joseph Dari. I'm calling from Tema. Joseph Dari. Joseph Asadari. All right. I got it. All right. Okay. So yes, Joseph. I am very much moved by the very first point he gave, which is that you should be centered on God. Centered on God. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, I have, from personal experience, I have been around many successful people who couldn't care much about God. And frankly, I don't envy them. Uh, they seem to have success, but their life in every other way is falling apart. Family and respect, everything is just gone. And so I think uh, it's better to be right on the head by saying that we should praise God first in our quest for greatness. And I'm very thankful for that. Because Joseph, you have... Seen that Right. Thank you very much, Joseph. That point is the subject of a whole a whole session we must do. Success without God and how it can be short lived and meaningless. Let's take the last caller and let's see if we can give out one more book this evening. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening, Albert. Your name where are you calling from, please? My name is Farid Gombela. I'm right. calling from Legon. Farid, is, is Professor a lecturer? Uh, no, I, I, I'm a philosophy and political science student. Oh, I you should go and sit in this marketing lecture. Who told you that you must <laughs> only go for philosophy? When I, when I was in Legon, I had a lecturer called Kujusena. And yeah. people used to come, science, medical students used to come to philosophy lecture. lecture. <laughs> oh, in the afternoon, Monday afternoon, they would come and say that I listened to him because he was very interesting. So yeah, it's possible I guess, to. I guess I should try. I should try and go for his lecture. Right. It was sociology, I think. Yes, sociology. All right. Okay. So tell me, Farid, which one is your your, your big one? Yeah, for me, uh, what really struck me most is the point on branding. Uh, that that was number six, I think. Right. For what I what I do in my private life, I do poetry, spoken word poetry, and for me, branding is something that is very important a kind of brand that people associate with you and that has he explaining it has really stuck with me because he says sticking with your brand no matter what right and that is for me a big a big takeaway for me from today's uh, presentation Fari, thank you very much and you definitely have won yourself a copy of the book Prof, take us home in one minute one minute take us home in one minute okay so let's close on the personal branding thing Everybody wants to be phenomenally successful, must stand for something that is peculiar, that is unique, that makes you stand out. And stay with it, and you become somebody who's loved, revered, and society will pay you and make you profit from that strong personal brand. Let me give a shout-out to my MPhil marketing, so I hear you all listening, my executive MBA class, and all those who came to support on Friday. They should pay the pledge so they'll be a happy man. God bless you all. Hey. <laughs> All those, please, all those who like, he's begging you that you should pay so that he'll be a happy man, if not to be a sad man. Prof, so for somebody who started a new ministry, somebody who has a, a known name for several years, who is venturing into a new space, how do you leverage that known name to push forward a new venture? What target audience is he speaking to? A new set of target audience or the old? What, 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 what? New products for the same old audience. Okay, new product for the same old audience. Right. Oh, okay. Um, we need to sort of explain that the benefits of that core brand are being migrated onto other products. So what you used to know us for, which was 
intrinsically very beneficial. It's still there. It's still there. Additionally. Absolutely. Yes. Like, I'll give you an example. You know this old lighthouse chapel that's been there for like whatever. But there's a first love ministry now, which is just a campus manifestation of the lighthouse chapel. So it's taking a different hue, taking a different shape by the same core brand that has been manifested in another way. Right. So take what's good about the core brand and migrate it onto the new introduction and it should be good to go. God bless you. God bless you. And, and God, God bless, bless you. you. My name is Albert Okren. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four. Nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more searching, the light has come.